0: What's up DAW Nation? My name is Wyatt Troy. I make music as come nightfall, and I want to welcome you to episode 49.5 of Behind the DAW, where we usually interview music producers, artists, music industry experts, singers, songwriters, sound designers, and everyone else in between on an emotional, philosophical, artistic, and music business basis. But, as you noticed, this is a .5 episode, which means we took the audio from our YouTube series, In the DAW, where we invite music producers to dissect their songs in real time, and we put it in a podcast form so that you can listen to it on the go and get that perfect combination of emotional and technical knowledge if you would much rather watch this episode as opposed to listening to it that is totally fine there are links down in the description that will help you do that you can also just go to youtube and type in urban step in the dot and it will show up on multiplier's youtube channel so you actually just barely heard me say who we're interviewing today today we are interviewing urban step and he's going to be breaking down his song somebody it's a classic song it's a great song it's probably one of his most famous songs but what are you going to learn today today you're going to learn about how to make dubstep in fl studio how to use plugins to help you write melodies and whether to start with a drop or the melody first, and so much more. In fact, there's a lot more than that. But as a bonus, we are giving away the FL Studio project file of this episode. So if you want to check out this project file, actually right in front of your face, no problem. Link down in the description. So donation. I hope I got you stoked for this episode. It was really awesome. But before we get into all of this, you know, you know where I'm going with this. Let's hear a word from our sponsor. DAW Nation, in the last couple episodes of In the DAW and Behind the DAW, I have talked so much about the AU5 Ableton Sound Design course, I've mentioned about all the perks that you get by purchasing it, and I've talked about all the success that students have had just implementing it, I've talked about how we've had almost a thousand people sign up in a month, but... What I want to tell you, Donation, is actually we are adding onto it. We're adding more and more and more videos onto it. Right now, we're currently working on about 50 to 100 new videos that we're going to be adding to the AU5 Ableton Sound Design course. The beautiful part is, is that if you've already bought it, you will pay no extra price. You can basically think of it as an update, but the problem is if you haven't bought the course yet, you are going to have to pay unless you hop on the deal right now. On April 26th, we are increasing the price from $150 to $250. But if if you hop on this chance right now to go buy the AU5 Ableton Sound Design Course, not only will you have the chance to pay the lower price, but when the new videos come out, you'll get all of them for free. But if you buy after April 26th, then you're gonna have to pay the full price. So donation Nation, there are links down in the description for the AU5 Ableton Sound Design Course. I'd highly encourage you to click on that. I'd highly encourage you to check on that. And at the very least, go ahead and take our free mini AU5 Ableton Sound Design Course. We've been updating the videos. We've been adding even more videos. So there's even more content in there, more instrument racks, more effects, more project files. But again, this is only until April 26th. So Daw Nation, I highly encourage you to check on it. There are links in the description for both the full course and the mini course, or you can go to courses.inthedaw.net to get more information. Again, that is courses.inthedaw.net. But Daw Nation, let's get into this week's interview.
1: Do you start with the drop or do you more start with the intro or does it depend on the track generally?
2: Mostly, mostly on the drop, like to create like the hook first. I can just work around it usually, but it can be different. But Yeah, in most cases I start with the hook.
1: Awesome. And how do you generally, like in terms of making sure the intro and the breaks and everything match up with the drop so they sound like the same song? How do you generally do that or is it more just based on ear and stuff?
2: I usually know my, my chord progression that I start with like making track usually make hooks based off that as it comes for intro for something that comes around the drop basically like buildups all that stuff yeah general mood i guess main chord progression sometimes let's say in drop uh, i use like shorter notes. i just make them longer like let's say an intro that's also an option you basically just use like slower melodies somewhat so that create like atmosphere instead of less that dancey vibe which you kind of get from the drop
1: just so taking like the same core progressions just kind of Using them in a slightly different way.
2: I have like uh, right now some of my like favorite chord progressions that I kinda work with like in different keys, but it's still kinda of like the same formula in a way. But I'm trying to actually get away from it because it gets a little boring. It's one of the first tunes that I've kinda of executed this concept that I kinda of use it like further in different tunes. Yeah, somebody is like, is uh, yeah, one of my favorites I've ever done. It's pretty simple, but it kind of works. So when you are creating the the chord progressions, the melodies, all that kind of stuff, what
0: is your particular method of doing that? Do you sit down on the keyboard? Do you click in a melody? You know, what I
2: mean, like, what's your particular method of creating the melody? It depends on on the key, and I also know. The basic, I guess, uh, melodic keys, melodic scales. I basically know the notes that I can use, and like in minor scale, and uh, I just kind of work around that. I just see what kind of mood I'm going for, and I just move notes uh, here and there and see what I like. Sometimes, I honestly, I come like into the project and I add uh, like a chord progression that I kind of had like in mind, and then I just basically work around it. Right. And so, do you use a MIDI controller or do you click it in? I basically click it in. Maybe it's even kind of weird that uh, my style is like it's mostly melodic, and yet I kind of just click it.
0: That's awesome, dude. There's nothing wrong with that. I I love clicking in melodies. I also
2: love using the push. So it's whatever you feel that day, right? At some point, I want to finally get some kind of MIDI keyboard, and maybe that will make my melodies better because they will be like more improvised, less uh, less you know like less electronic.
0: (laughs) Have you thought about getting the uh, what's what's the FL controller that just came out like the FL fire? You know what I'm talking about? No, actually, I didn't see it. So it's like it's like FL studios version of the Ableton push, but not really. You know what I'm talking about, Adam?
1: Not specifically, no. I mean, I kind of blank out stuff from like Nam that isn't relevant to me because it's just there's so much stuff that comes out. There's lots of people trying to do push-like controllers because the push was so successful for Ableton.
0: Go ahead and check that out because it's literally, it's a MIDI controller specifically made for FL Studio, made by ImageLine, right? And It's, it's supposed probably for cool.
2: FL20, right? <laughs> I, I still use FL11. I'm that type of cool guy. But I actually like FL20 and I think I might switch to. Do you know the
0: differences between FL11 and FL20? I have no idea. Do you know?
2: Uh, well, between like FL twenty, I think it's the workflow. it looks a little bit more similar to Ableton. yeah the thing is like I like Ableton's workflow yet I kind of don't like the interface like in general. I know it kind of doesn't stick to me like that well I tried like uh, vocal recording rap recording through Ableton that that is what I like, but like mixing tunes, like actually like making tracks I of haven't come to
1: that because i'm not that familiar with fl so like on each of these tracks is there lots of processing i'm not quite sure i can see from this view or... well
2: not that much let me show you like the intro like basically the first but it's just basically pure nexus it's nothing else as i remember and it was basically yeah just a filter Just a filter that is like low pass, high pass. Is Nexus your kind of go-to lead machine? It's just basic guitar. Like, it's nothing. In most cases, actually, it wouldn't sound good because that guitar doesn't sound like as as a real guitar. But on some some keys, on some riffs, it actually does work. This tune is like it's in A minor, and uh, for some reason it works. I tried this guitar and other tracks and only like in specific keys.
0: Let's talk about your drop bass. So in the, in the bass, your, your like main drop bass that you have going on, what's the sound design that went behind
2: that? This is like, I think my signature sound, I you know what. This is basically soft that is like similar a bit to twofold, even like the project name is like where drum and bass twofold. Originally, like the track was drum and bass and it was like called Nobody and I basically Someone and I don't mess around with it, and made a dubstep version of it, and it basically turned into to somebody. And so, did you make that drop bass in Massive? Yeah, I think it. But yeah, this tune is pretty old, so that you just realize that it's pretty old. Uh, it was made, I think, in early January 2016. Think mean, nothing too too complicated. <laughs> Wave table position, grain one, basically spectrum. Like, it's all pretty easy. And do you have
0: it layered, or is it just? Like, is there a yeah, yeah, patch
2: that you have? Yeah, okay. yeah. I have it layered with, like, with my signature sound. You made that massive as well.
1: Oh, yeah. And do you choose your sound before you write the melody or write the melody before you choose the sound?
2: Usually, melody. Then I just look for a sound that like, fit it better. I kind of go through sounds. I listen, I listen, I listen, and realize what I want. But it's not always like that. Sometimes I just coming to the project, get things done real fast, and the tune is being done real fast. Yeah, it depends. It's not always like that.
1: Are you excited about the new version of Massive that's coming out in a few months or so? Actually, I am.
2: I hope it'll be a game changer. Compared to like serum, because yeah. serum actually like changes the game basically. But yeah. at some point, imagine like uh, the possibilities of serum and serum. I mean, the problem would with, like, with hold like serum wave that everybody sounds the same, at least in my opinion. Almost like every time you can hear that sound was made in, in serum for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe like the processing, like whatever like the workflow because people like copy each other, especially when it comes to dubstep, basically all that bro step wave, the modern like wah, 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 wah. And then of course, when it comes to like rhythm, rhythm. how do they call it? Whomp, 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 yeah. And it's usually like all the same, basically the same pattern, but just a little bit different sound.
1: I think that's more of, more of a people thing than a, a serum thing there's not even that much about serum that tends to make people make sounds like that it's more like people end up making sounds like that share other people and then they all end up doing the same sorts of thing yeah
2: yeah somewhat in my opinion they just a little bit lose their identity with that but i understand where they're
1: coming from they hear the
2: some wow this sound is sick i want to make that sound as well it's still kind of re- riding this plugin train that we're on right now because
0: like all of, for all of us serum was that plugin a couple of years ago that was like this is a game changer this is insane yeah
2: it actually yeah it actually was and it's What has been a plug-in
0: since Serum that was just like, wow, this is something else. This is game-changing. I think since
2: Serum, nothing really came out like that to kind of make me like, wow, at least from what I saw.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, Serum's definitely been the biggest synth ever every dimension in terms of like popularity and potential and being a platform more than a plugin so on the one that's come second to that is probably being Captain Chords from Mixing Key certainly hasn't taken off as much as Serum has I don't know if it's taken off as much as I feel like it should have done I really felt like they got everything right in the way that like Serum gave you exactly what you needed to hit away the powerful features intelligent way like put everything center stage that needed to be just like Serum was just, just well thought through I felt the Captain Chords was well thought through in exactly the same way like Captain Chords you can use really simply or you can go super deep and get really advanced if you need to and it kind of layers it in a really clever way but yeah i suppose for those that don't know captain chords is it's like a way of generating chord progressions so if you struggle writing chords or writing chord patterns or maybe writing melodies for chords captain chords is by far the, the, the best plugin for that because it's got captain chords is the chord right inside of it but then you can link up captain melody to write melodies related to the chords you've already got or captain deep to write bass lines related to the chords you've already got so you can kind of write a core progression with help using the plugin and then load up say captain deep and it'll automatically generate a baseline for you so you don't have to worry about working out like what's my root note for my core progression it's like captain deep will literally pork through plugin magic to Captain Chords and literally work out like what notes do you need for the bassline, and even suggest like rhythms and stuff as well. So there are loads of core cool plugins, and lots of them are really good, but they just they don't quite sort of get it perfect in the way that like Serum got it perfect.
2: Well, when it comes to like processing, with VSTs actually quite some are pretty useful. Which too. A factory Tube saturator. Now that is like much richer. Let's say you get like a simplistic sine wave bass, like sub bass, and you just put like tube saturator on it and basically work around it and it becomes like fat sound instead of something like the th- just really pretty thin. Well, <laughs> whole room for reverb is like, is also pretty awesome. But it's not that easy to configure in my opinion.
0: You're right because Serum was the one that just like absolutely shattered everyone's reality. Yeah, right underneath that, kind of the plugin and slash plug-in company that really kind of like really redefined sound as and like production in my personal opinion was Zymnaptic. Zymnaptic Morph is one of the coolest plugins I've ever seen in my life. They have like other ones that are just like, they're from an alien planet. Like those plugins, I don't even know if I can ever understand what they do, but like the sounds that come out is just unreal. You know about Zymnaptic Morph, Multiplier, What what is it? I don't even know.
1: I did the main video for Plugin Boutique about it, so I'm pretty familiar. So Morph basically takes two sounds and then like morphs them together, but importantly, it morphs them together in a pretty... Where it is a totally unique way. If you take a normal plugin, most of the algorithms that do almost all of the processing are pretty standard. So, the way that 99 point something percent of plugins are made is they take existing algorithms for filters, existing algorithms for oscillators, and so on, and then they just sort of repackage them up. Simplistically, the reason why most plugins sound the same and don't really sound that innovative, generally speaking. But there are a few few companies like Synaptic that are actually making new algorithms to kind of literally make new sounds. So, in the case of Morph, Instead of approaching sound design from the perspective of like starting with two waves and then trying to manipulate them and process them and so on. With morph, you take two different samples and then you morph between them to create this literally totally unique sound. So it's it's first of all, a different way of approaching sound design. Instead of thinking about the processing, you're thinking about what samples can I use, which just kind of gets gets your brain thinking in a whole new way. But then also fundamentally, it is literally creating sounds you can't create in any other way because this morph algorithm is totally unique. Yeah, it's generally one of the handful... Literally less than five plugins I own that actually make sounds you can't make in any other way. Do, do you find you're creatively held back by your version of FL or not at all? Yes,
2: somewhat. I'm just you know like I'm just comfortable using it like for years. When I saw like FL12, I didn't like what they did. Basically, I'm kind of that guy that changes not always for the better, but it's cool to have changes. Yeah, it's kind of it pushes us further, like makes us evolve. I'm i I'm not sure, yeah. I didn't like FL twelve. FL twenty it looks interesting. It's also a different workflow.
1: And uh, how long did, did this track take roughly to make?
2: This tune actually took me two
0: days. I got a music business tip for our viewers this week. This is so good for those listeners that have been listening that have been really tuning in lately to the music business tips. Instagram is the biggest social media out there, the most progressive one out there with, with the most organic reach and so on and so forth. Basically, Instagram is where it's at right now. One of the biggest things on Instagram to be able to leverage is the swipe up function inside of stories. If you don't know what that is, you go to a story, you can post a story, and you can can link out in that story so you can say, hey, if you want to check out the song, swipe up. But the only way that you can unlock that function is if you have more than 10,000 followers on Instagram or if you get verified, which is almost as hard as getting 10,000 followers. Up until this point, it's kind of like you had to do these workarounds, kind of sucked. But Spotify is came in and saved the day, because most of the time when you want to link something out as a music producer, it's to Spotify, right? You want want to drive people to Spotify to get more views and whatnot. What you can do now, this is so cool, you can go to your Spotify and you can select whatever song you want. It doesn't even have to be your song, of course it can be your song, but it doesn't even have to be. You go to a song on Spotify and you click Share. When you click Share, it's going to come up and one of the sharing options is going to say Instagram Stories. You can share it straight to your Instagram stories and link it out to that song. And so if you don't have 10,000 followers, this is amazing because if you just release a song, you can share it to your stories, click here to check out this song, and it'll click on it and send them straight to Spotify and they can listen to that song this is huge this is amazing this is like what everyone has been waiting for spotify did us a freaking solid all right so that's music business tip for this week utilize the living crap out of that literally you should be using
2: that every day in my case thanks to spotify i'm able to make like music full time spotify helps a lot streaming services actually if you kind of get to grow them like good following they actually lets you become like independent from labels, independent from uh, like booking promoters, all that stuff. So you can basically be busy like making music and actually like releasing it, like working around it instead of basically (laughs) talking to label guys, talking to booking promoters, finding like all those agencies, all that stuff. be honest, yeah, with my style, I'm not like the first guy that you would like call for a gig when it comes to, let's say, oh, I want a dubstep artist why would I get urban step if I can get virtual rise for example when it even comes to melodic music probably like seven lines but still I kind of I, I found monisha and I think uh, everybody should like do so for some reason because I'm not like big friends with like most part of the scene still kind of managed to like make my own like place in the scene spot somewhat like that I think that that kind of gives you like longer lasting career when you have like your own like fan base. maybe it's like outside the scene maybe it's like people that don't usually listen to the genre that you make. I think it's even better. But of course, when it comes to online, maybe it might not be that good when it comes to gigs. The
1: nice thing about what you're doing is your fans can be spread over the entire world, whereas like to draw a big crowd in one city means you have to have three or four hundred fans like in that specific city yeah. to be Spotify you can literally have fans in like 60,000 cities or 100,000 cities exactly.
2: that's more I guess a question let's say what would you prefer like having like 10,000 fans uh, spread across like 20 cities or would you prefer like having let's say 2,000 fans like in one city I haven't spread across 100% personally uh, see that's the thing like uh, when you have like spread across people you have like less chances of actually getting a gig that's somewhat a problem because if you kind of get everywhere like 50 people that doesn't make you like sold out shows and all that stuff but basically those uh, 2000 people like in one city they can make you a sold out show.
0: That's true. I guess I'm looking at it through the lens of like an internet marketer. To me, I think that musicians that rely just on playing shows for their income is one of the stupidest things that you can do in this day and age. You enjoy playing shows, and if it is bringing you in a lot of money, high five, that's great. Then keep doing it. But to think that that is, like, the biggest, like, the pinnacle of making money in music is, like, it's absurd. There's so many other things that can make so much more money. You're, like, at the top, like, the Seven Lions, the Illeniums, the Skrillexes. Yeah, you're getting paid $100,000 an hour. Yeah, that's obviously going to be... Just unreal amount of money for you.
2: you no, know, that's that's worth it. But you probably also
0: like earn a tons of money, like from Spotify alone. It's- dude, like there's so many other avenues to be making much better money with much less stress than through shows. I'm biased. I'm a am an internet marketer, so I like that. Back to what we were talking about, n- nonetheless.
1: How do you approach the arrangement? Do you put much thought into it, or just sort of pull your ears and see what happens?
2: I'll show you actually like the process. Let me just basically write something. Uh, let's go for like trappy rhythm. Basically, the same chord progression, this tune uses. Well, we got something that sounds already good, probably. Well, that's more like for the intro. Let's say you can already like here. It's pretty really simple, and let's say like uh, on this like empty space, you can basically put a wop that kind of breaks it, like. Or basically, you can like put something that goes higher on the pitch or like lower in the pitch, depending on what you want. Basically when you're in key, you kind of know what you're doing. Actually this sounds good, I like it. Let's just put like, I don't know, about a little bit better piano sound. Let's like get it from Nexus maybe. Basically, actually, like process something like this is my like usual process. I start like with the bass notes and then just like work around them. And I honestly, for some reason, I stopped liking like like regular chords, like that are like three notes and up to three notes. I basically like two notes. I don't know for some reason. Maybe it's like it's guitarish type of thing. Maybe from metal. I think it's pretty common in there. In a way, this is my formula to how. I approach mostly music. Yeah, I can sometimes use absolutely like different ways, but this is like a most like common my formula. It's pretty. Sl- yeah, just working around with rhythms. But yeah, that's that's like the basic process in somewhat similar way. I basically made this track and like I guess most of my tracks. I don't think that you should like overcomplicate things. I think that's somewhat the problem. Producer circle tends to overcomplicate things.
0: Hey, DAW Nation, hope you enjoyed this episode of In the DAW with Urban Step breaking down his song, Somebody. If you're interested in the AU5 Ableton Sound Design course or in the free mini Ableton AU5 Sound Design course, make sure to check out the links in the description or at courses.inthedaw.net. That is courses.inthedaw.net. And yes, just as a reminder, the course is $150 until April 26, 2019, and then it will increase to $250. So, If you want all the updated videos and all the new videos that we're going to be putting out and still pay the old lower price, you better hop on that before April 26th because after that, it's gone. Donation. On another note, if you want to join our Patreon to get exclusive perks, go ahead, make your way over to there. Also, if you want private lessons or if you have suggestions for people to come on the show, we would love that link down in the description. Again, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, repost, and follow, you know, on whatever platform that you're listening on, like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Deezer, YouTube, SoundCloud. I think I already said SoundCloud. doesn't matter. You know, wherever you're at, it just helps us know that we're moving in the direction that you need us to, Donation. Nation. And finally, I would highly encourage you to check out the last episode of Behind the Daw. That episode was with Rogue. And that that episode we talk about is it okay to produce different genres underneath one brand how to avoid fear-based decisions in making music and how to grow thick skin in an industry that will tear you apart if you let them there's a link down in the description for that episode but Daw Nation, let's hear a final word from our sponsor Daw Nation, in this episode, you've heard me talk so much about the AU5 Ableton Sound Design course. Again, I would highly encourage you to check it out or at least check out the free course. But Daw Nation, I want to talk to you about a different course that we're going to be launching. So let me ask you this. When was the last time you picked up the Ableton Live 10 manual and read the entire thing? In fact, when was the last time that you've even seen the Ableton Live Ted manual. There are two cold hard facts about the Ableton manual. Number one, it is incredibly insightful on how to use Ableton to its max potential. And number two, it is amazingly boring to read. And it's not even Ableton's fault. That's just the nature of manuals, which is why I am extremely proud to announce that our next course is going to be the Daddy Ableton manual course. Now, you know Daddy. He's been on In the dawn Behind the Don multiple times, bringing the jokes, making you laugh, while still bringing the max amount of information and inspiration. So in this course, he's going to go through every single little thing of the Ableton Live 10 manual and explain it in a hilarious, engaging, and memorable way. Now, Donation, listen very carefully. We just opened up the pre-orders for this course, and if you hop on the pre-order right now, you will save $100 on this course. The original price of the course is going to be $250, but if you click the link in the description, then the price is only $150. One of the pre-order bonuses is that if you pre-order before June 1st, 2019, Daddy and I will personally FaceTime you to meet you and to say thank you. And the second bonus for pre-ordering the course is that you will be brought to a page where you can tell us what you want to see as bonuses when the full course releases. That's right. You get to decide what the actual bonuses are for the full course. I mean, just imagine it. You get to learn everything there is to know about Ableton Live 10 while being wildly entertained for only $150. That's $30 less than Serum. That's a tenth of the price of Native Instruments Complete Ultimate. That's a third of the price of Omnisphere. That's a tenth of the price of a Moog synthesizer. That's a fifth of the price of the Ableton Push 2. And you get the picture. Again, there is a link in the description for the pre-order where you will get $100 off the original price, or you can go to inthedawnet slash live10 to sign up. Again, that is in intheda.net slash live10. The DAW Nation, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Behind the DAW and make sure to check back here next week for our next episode.